So we're back for episode five of Walk-Offs and Walk-Ons here. I'm your host, Robert, and uh, I'm here with Adam today. Um, very excited to have him on the show. Um, list of accolades for this guy goes quite long. He's a two-time All-Canadian, three-time AUS All-Star, former AUS Rookie of the Year, AUS Lineman of the Year, Team Canada Under-19 member, Canada Cup All-Star, winner of the 12th Man National Competition, He's the current D-line coach for Acadia University. Uh, he's my close personal friend, and he's also the king of the belly rub celebration. So, Adam, how are you doing today? <laughs> I'm doing good, Rob. I'm uh, happy to be here doing this with you. Awesome, awesome. Uh, I'm excited to talk ball with you. All right, Adam. So I've known you since uh, we go way, way back. Um, like we were two years old when we met. And uh, I know we both started playing football together when we were 10 years old. And uh you know, I stopped playing, and I still coach a little bit, but I stopped playing when I was 19 and uh, only coached a couple seasons since. But I don't think you've had a, a year without football since you were 10 years old. Is that correct? That is correct. So what's it been like, you know, uh, not having a football around here for a whole year? Um, well, it's certainly something I did not expect. Uh, you know, like you said, I, you know, I started young uh, playing with the Bulldogs in grade five, and pretty much ever since then, Every year, every fall, I've been getting ready for uh, the football football season, whether it be playing or coaching. Um, and I thought, you know, it was a big adjustment the last couple of years, just coaching and not getting ready as a player. And that was a big adjustment. And uh, unfortunately, with this pandemic, that really shut down the coaching side of it. And it's it was rough for the first little bit, you know, because you do miss it. You do miss all the aspects of football. But. Uh, luckily, I was able to, you know, watch more football and, might I mention, win my fantasy football league due to the free time. <sighs> so, I, you know, I was able to buy a deep freeze with my winnings, by the way. So, you know what? It wasn't all I too took bad. took that one on the chin. Not all bad. <laughs> oh, that's good to hear. That's good to hear. So, um, we're, we're hoping, obviously, for a football season in 2021. Um, and something when I asked you about it um, – few weeks ago um, that uh, never crossed my mind when you brought it up. So you're going to have two recruiting classes at the same time entering uh, the 2021 season. Yes. It's, it, you know, it's going to be a different dynamic uh, because obviously with the lost season, we had some, you know, some recruits, you know, opt out, if you will, or, you know, decide to stay home or work for a year and then come to school. Others decided to come, and uh, you know, you know, stay, you know, stay uh, in their apartments and you know, do class that way. But the two classes of rookies, it is, it is going to be weird, and you know, there's going to be a lot of competition. Um, I haven't been around the building as much as I would have liked to, uh, but I am so excited to see. You know, there's going to be a lot of new faces, a lot of new faces. All right, so yeah, that's definitely going to be something interesting to see. And obviously, uh, we're a little biased here. We hope Acadia. Uh, wins the AUS again. Um, so uh, I'm going to segment that into a viewer question we had actually from um, a friend of mine and I believe a former teammate of yours, uh, Brandon Smith. And he yes. wants to he wants to know what we're on here. Um, what does the AUS need to do to get on the level of the other three U sports conferences in football? Um, is it something that needs to be addressed like in conference or is it a U sports thing overall? Who wants to know? That is a good, very good question. And I do not want to get myself in trouble, so I'm going to yeah. try and answer it while yeah. I'm not stepping on anyone's toes. Yeah. 
but I do have my own opinions. Uh, there is good coaching and good players in the AUS. I don't think that is a, that is an issue. I would 100 uh, agree with that. Right? <laughs> uh, we, you I'm know, I next to a two-time All Canadian. Right? I, I, you know, I do believe in you know we you can get guys and you can develop them, um, but there are certain things that you know maybe the AUS doesn't have, maybe certain teams in the AUS don't have. Um, the easy one to point to is money, but how do you you know money just doesn't appear. There's certain things you got you know that have to follow suit. I am a big fan of, and this I have no idea if this is even possible. If you can somehow get NSCC or any kind of community college uh, on par, you know, sharing facilities, sharing class uh, class loads with the university, then you can get those kids that want to be carpenters or plumbers or electricians, right? Not everyone wants to take a kinesiology degree or sociology or whatever. That's a fantastic point. I know we played with a guy um, who uh, definitely was going to be a tradesman and didn't even bother to consider football after high school, and he was a pretty good player. Yeah, I think you lose, <laughs> you lose, you lose so many potential university athletes when you tell them you have to go to university mm-hmm. and take a, you know a normal university course load. Uh, I really think that you could open it up, and you know, and there are other, there are things like that, you know, in other conferences where they do have a, a college on campus, and you can get into the college and still be part of the varsity team. I I tend to like that idea. Um, it's a great idea. <laughs> or Brandon, you know, you can go make millions of dollars and then uh, donate. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh. that was a bubble alumni. That one hurt. <laughs> I got to speak to myself too. I guess. All right, awesome. All right, so um, just in, on the spirit of AUS, like, you know, you were two-time All-Canadian um, and uh, very fortunate to um, have known you when you were young and, like, all the experiences I've seen you have with football um, obviously were quite good being a two-time All-Canadian. And I know growing up, like, we always saw you go down to the States for different competitions and, um, like, not even just the States, but, like, Ontario, places like that. Um like you were a member of Team World, I think, Team Canada, a 12-man competition. So I guess my question for you is, what's like the coolest place you've been to or the coolest experience you've had um, that football's allowed you to have, I guess? Okay, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been, been very blessed, been able to play on these different teams, um, been to a lot of different places. But the, the coolest place I think football's brought me, the, the coolest physical place has been Texas. Uh, in the San Antonio once in Austin, uh, twice I believe, and it was uh, just a different a different beast down there. When you're flying in and you get to the airport, you look out the window and you see all these football fields. The heat just absolutely hits you different. So Friday Night Lights is real. Is what you're it's absolutely absolutely real. <laughs> uh, remember practicing at this high school? I believe it was Drew Brees' old high school. There was two turf fields side by side. You look off in the distance. There's uh, a stadium. Uh, with lights, uh, and I wasn't able to go in to see the locker room, but I heard that it was it was top notch. And um, here we are at high school, you know, um, changing outside to go practice on a muddy baseball field. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Hopefully someday we'll get there, and we'll, you know Horton will have a turf field. But um, and the, you know the other part of your question, there, I guess the you know my favorite experience or whatnot. You know, I don't really have a 
you know, like that one memory of, you know, like you know, a game winner. That's my top experience. I, I do like, like looking back, playing all the years of football, you know, just the different people you meet, uh, the different connections, uh, you know, friends from all the different teams, all, you know, from different places that is kind of, you know, looking back like that's really the best experience that you could have got from football. Awesome. Awesome. Love to hear that. And I'm going to push this question one little bit further here, just because, I know you've mentioned some things to me, but I want our viewers to know. So who is the, the biggest, uh, I don't know, football celeb you've met? Like, are there any starstruck moments or anything like that? I know one comes to mind for me, but... Uh, well, star there. okay, well, right away, and I got distracted. I did. I met Snoop Dogg. He's not, <laughs> he's not yeah, by no means, but it was cool. When I was down there in San Antonio, his son uh, was part of the Team USA I believe under 16 national teams. So mm -hmm. Snoop Dogg was there with his humongous bodyguards oh, and I got to meet him also a Steelers fan. So, yeah, but NFL, I'm trying to think, bro, you might have to spark my memory. You have a way better memory than me. Uh, I seem to remember you, um, I can't remember which competition when you were down in Texas, but you told me Eric the Barry. guest speaker was Eric, Eric Barry. Barry. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Eric Barry. He, he, yeah. When he, he spoke and he was, you know, there wasn't, it was in the middle of the, the Alamo uh, Dome, and it was just quiet as anything. All eyes were on Eric Berry, uh, Eric Berry when he spoke. Um, just, so, you know, and everyone there strived to have what Eric Berry had, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone wanted what he had, and uh, so everyone was just listening. He, yeah, it, it, it was a really cool experience. I wish I could have met him face to face, but just hearing him speak, it, yeah. That's awesome. And uh, see, that's how you treat it when you're uh, the have the privilege of uh, being around NFL players. Not like that little punk talking shit to Cam Newton pissed me off. <laughs> All right, Adam. So um, after my little uh, pissy interjection there, um, we're going to move on to a question from one of your brothers, actually. And then we're going to lead that into a little uh, Steelers chat because I know you're a big Steelers fan. So um, your brother Isaac wants to know... Um, why do you put Big Ben over Eli Manning? Why do I put Big Ben yes. over Eli Manning? Yes. Um, because I am extremely biased and <laughs> I am not a New York Giants fan. Okay. I will be upfront in that regard. And two, Big Ben is just simply better than Eli Manning. I do have a tremendous amount of respect for Eli Manning. I will call the him the Brady Slayer. The Brady Slayer. He, I will always be thankful that he handed Tom Brady two losses. Uh, but Big Ben, I think he can just answer the call a little bit better than Eli Manning. Um, been more consistent. I don't want to just say look at the stats, he's, but he he's had better numbers, and I don't think there's much debate over uh, that. I am with you on that one. All right, so um, we're going to segue that right into uh, the news coming out of Pittsburgh today that um, the Steelers and Big Ben have agreed that they're going to restructure his contract. Um, the details of the contract aren't out yet, but they have agreed that that's what they're going to do, and he's going to come back for uh, one more kick at the can. So, um, Adam, as a diehard Steelers fan, um, you know, I'm looking at their roster, and I'm wondering what you think they should do. Um, they're bringing Ben back, but Pouncey has retired. Juju is a free agent, but Dupree is a free agent, and Alejandro Villanueva, your left tackle, is also a free agent. 
So I guess my question is, do you push, try to re-sign these guys, you know, fill in some pieces in free agency, get the band back together and take one more run at it? Or um, like, do you just let them walk, try to build around the young guys and uh, burn this thing down and restart it when Ben retires? I, yes and no. <laughs> I will tell you with Big Ben, he is making a lot of money. I know, I believe his cap hit this year is 19 million. Um, which is actually not that much much compared to other starting yeah, QB. The Eagles uh, took thirty four million just to trade wins. <laughs> so with Big Ben, I mean, sure, like, but the option before today's news was just to cut. You know, you could cut him or hope he retires. If you cut him, he would still have nineteen million dollars of dead money on the cap, which doesn't help your situation. I, I he's not going to take less money. I mean, you could. I don't even know you asked that, right? But you could. Restructures deal. I don't even know if it's possible to, you know, stretch it out for another four years, knowing he's going to retire, uh, and then you pay him. I don't know. You try and get, what, get away with ten million this year instead of the nineteen. That is what I think that they should try and do. They they're not going to pay him nineteen million this year. I know that that mm-hmm. th- that is not happening. Mm-hmm. Um, you think now, that just against the cap, or like you think they just might convert cap. some of it into bonus and like whatever? I or? don't care under the table. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Right? You're not paying them 19 million. You're right. not having 19 million against the cap this year All right. for a big bet. That is as much as it pains me. It, mm-hmm. He's not like a Tom Brady situation yeah. right now. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I. But you know what you do with that? You know when you once you free up that space. Uh, what do you do next? There's, you know, you name those free agents, and I want to say, yeah, let's get them all back, but they, there's, no, there's no money for Bud Dupree. He's going to get top dollar. Yeah. I, um, if people, if the ACL is fine, I, I will chime in um, as Bud Dupree as a prime franchise tag candidate. I think, um, but but like he's he, he might get pissy about it, you know, like he got. Um, like coming off an injury, like not a lot of guys are comfortable without that security of a long-term deal behind them. But, um, you know, like if he feels the team's worth it. (laughs) I just, I am mentally preparing for almost everyone to leave. I will not be surprised if the Steelers don't franchise tag. And I know that the cap space is not looking good. And I always do get stressed every year, but they somehow manage to pull it off, restructure someone here, cut someone here. Yep. But it's not looking good. I I will not be surprised if Dupree is gone because uh, the back of Alex Highsmith he he played played, well. he, he, played, played well. he played all right for the five what four or five yeah maybe six stretches. He's on a rookie mid round deal. So yeah, well, he drafted third round, third fourth maybe, something like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, a year ago. So you know, this, yeah, so that's not like I yeah. <laughs> I think they might see what they have in him. Uh, but Dupree, he, he wants to get paid either way. Yep. Uh, if the Steelers can franchise tag him, then do it. I think Bud Dupree will will get over it and mm-hmm. he'll earn it again next year. I don't think that's going to happen though. Mm-hmm. With, with Juju, I think Juju is gone. Uh, I'm with you there. I think um, just to chime in a little bit, I think with Claypool, Johnson, and um, Washington, you're yeah. still boasting a receiving core better than half the league. And I don't. And, know. and they're cheaper. They're all yeah, they are all cheaper. So. Um, um, and I, I I don't know who's out there for free agent receivers. I don't know. It's deep. 
Is it yeah? So maybe there's some guy out there, you know, for a lesser number than Juju. Uh, I know you can say what you will about Juju. Uh, I don't know if his TikToks lost him any money, <laughs> right? He was still, you know, he hasn't been as productive since Antonio Brown left. But no, he, he he's someone will, you know, I think he had nine touchdowns this year. Someone will pay for for nine touchdowns. Absolutely, and he's not that old too. Like he's oh four God, years, no. played four years, but he was. He was drafted when he was still 19 years old. He's got one of those weird he's birthdays. He's younger so than like, us. Yeah, yeah. He is, he is a, just still a little spring chicken there. Um, so I guess my question going forward there, so we think Juju's gone. Maybe Dupree's back. But Pouncey retired, yeah. and your left tackle's a free agent. Uh, your right tackle, you lost the year before yeah. in uh, Marcus Gilbert. So really, from when the Steelers O line was at its best, you're returning um, I, David DeCastro. DeCastro, and I believe Dotson is locked up. Uh, he was a guard. Um, he's played a little bit of guard. He, I think he was drafted maybe in the third, okay. or second round. Uh, yep. I think he. The, they are both slotted in at guards. We, everyone else, I think like Matt Filer. Matt Filer, I, yeah. I want him to come back because he can play tackle and guard. Yeah. Uh, he, but again, if someone's willing to pay for him, mm. I think they can take him away. Uh, I think a lot Villanueva, of people. I think, I think Villanueva to me, good of the player he is, just because of the lack of depth, like how bad people need a left tackle. I think he's about to get overpaid, and I don't think the Steelers will match it. I don't think they will. A lot of these guys, yeah, they're going to, yeah. Villanueva will get overpaid. If you look at the left tackle, like, um, franchise, I mean, the free agent uh, left tackle list, I think there's Trent Williams, I know, is like the the bell cow, but at how old he is now, like 33, I think. Yeah, that's good enough. And then you have Russell Okun, who's an absolute band-aid now, like chronically injured, uh, but a good player when healthy, also 33 years mm-hmm. old. So, I mean, Villanueva's 33. He just played, hasn't played as long because he was in the military yep. serving. So, And um, he is good. I mean, And he, he is he, good, yeah. but I'm looking at the rest of these. Like Jason Peters is going to retire. Cam Robinson has been mediocre. And uh, like Calvin Beecham, Sam Young, like, no. <laughs> so – I think he's about to get like he's he's gonna break the bank for someone free. Yeah. Because yeah. if you want if you're in the market for a left tackle right now and you are not in a position to draft one of the top ones, your options are Trent Williams, Villanueva. Um, you could take a flyer on Oku. I I personally think Okun should retire. Um, or you could uh, call up Baltimore and uh, give away your future for Orlando Brown because he wants to play left tackle now and he's proven he can play left tackle now. So he does want to get out the chance to play it, but I don't think Baltimore is going to let him go very easily. Um, so yeah, those are really your options. So I think Bill and Wade is absolutely going to get overpaid here. Yeah. So he's, he will not be coming back to the Steelers. That is a hundred percent. So In my mom, I'm prepared. I am prepared to lose a lot of my favorite players. Okay. So that being said, so we're we're projecting a lot of these people gone. So what I'm hearing is the Steelers need to have a big draft. They do. Um, so in my first mock I've done, and like I said, going into it, like this is before free agency, and as we get closer to the draft, new information always emerges as well. So this is 
a crock of shit for now, but um, that's, that's what we got. And I had the Steelers taking Travis Etienne, uh, the electric running back out of Clemson. But when you when you make that pick, like you're dropping like an explosive running back into you usually have a team in place when you drop like an electric running back in. You know what I mean? It's usually like he's a missing piece to this offense yeah. or something like that. But from what we're saying, I think the offense is missing a lot of pieces. So um, do you like the pick of ETN there, or would you rather see, like, um, some help on the defensive side or maybe, like, the O-line? Usually any other year, uh, yes, I love the sexy picks. I always want the Steelers to, you know, get a skilled guy, you know, get someone exciting. This year I am, do not feel that way at all. Um, you know, and, and you know, it's the points with the running backs too, especially when you can get a very good, productive running back in the third, fourth, fifth round. Yep. Right? There's the Steelers have so many more needs. Um, I, I I think you have to address best player in either O line, um, outside linebacker, or I don't want to say running back. Run, if running back, it's the third, but it's just if he's there, if there's a super talented running back like that, I'm not about you know passing up yep. best player available. And ETN is crazy talented. Yeah. But yeah, I, I just I don't know how you take him if um if if you don't have a left tackle. Um you know what? And I one thing I forgot too, t- yes, yeah, the tight end too, I believe that we need yep, I, I think that's the Donald retired. retired. Uh so Ebron can't block nothing, <laughs> yep. right? So the running game—it wasn't just because our running backs, you know, you know, they had a bad hurt. running back. You know, we, the they were hurt. The O line was bad. Now our tight ends—you you know—you were so limited. The t- you know, we wanted—you can't put two tight ends out there because you didn't have mm-hmm. tight ends that could block, mm-hmm. right? So that's why they were just quick passing game the whole time. So, and I'll, I'll tell you right now. Um, don't get your hopes up for tight end in the first round. Um, there is one truly elite playmaking tight end in this draft, and there's not a chance he makes it to 24. Um, and after that, there is a steep drop off. I don't think we see one again until mid second round. So yeah. you might be looking for some mid round guys. I kind of, um, yeah, I kind of <laughs> have to hope for a Laramie Tumsel video to pop up. <laughs> yeah, for, know, uh, just the, for the Steelers to yeah, win. I don't, even, I, to, I don't even know if that would allow Kyle to drop that far yet. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah's most recent rankings. I think he has him as the number three overall player in the yeah. entire draft. Like, so yeah, I don't think they uh, they get a sniff at Pitts, but uh, <laughs> sniff Pitts. <laughs> I'm off track. Nice. Sorry, guys. Um, but yeah, I think um, if this is what you like, if what you said happens in free agency, I think um, there's so much depth at tackle in this draft. Like, I'd say there's two blue chip tackles. That like you know are going to be your mm-hmm. your Laramie Tunsils as mentioned, your Ronnie Stanleys, your um, I won't say Joe Thomas because that's a whole different level, but like your um, anchors for a decade, you can just project them there, stick and play, never have to worry about them. But um, there's oh, gosh seven, ten, like yeah, good more worthy of a worthy of a mid to late first round pick tackles. Yeah. Um, and just because not everyone's going to take one, like some of them are going to be available twenty four, and some of them are going to be available early second round. If maybe you do um, take ETN in the 
24 because he's a special player, and then uh, you're able maybe to get up a little in the second. It's much easier to move in the second round than it is in the yes. first. So maybe you can get up to pick like 38 or something like that and get one of these Alex uh, Leatherwoods or Tevin Jenkins or Samuel Cosmes. I'm glad I'm not in charge. <laughs> I'm glad that they have to do all the all the hard decisions. But uh, another thing, too, I mean, with Pouncey being gone, is there anyone? Is there any? Is there, there any is. center that's going to be drafted in the first round? How there, high? There, there's wor- There is a worthy. Like there's a. I, I haven't seen him higher than like I don't think twenty eight in the mocks, but uh, Landon Dickerson. If you want to take a chance, um, if he wasn't coming off an ACL injury, he'd be a top twenty pick as a center. Like okay. He is a special player, um, and I'm not just saying it because he went to Alabama. Like. Um, but, uh, like he was able to win, let me put it this way. He was able to win the Remington trophy as the best center in the nation. And he tore his ACL before the playoff even started. So without even having the playoff on the resume, like he already took it and, um, he's a phenomenal talent, a team leader. Um, like I'd say he was the best player on what was argued as like the best offensive line the game's seen in college football in ages. So. Yeah, but he's a he's a center, and centers don't I, go higher than twenty, and uh, he's coming off toward ACL. I just I, I do <laughs> I do want that next best center. Mm-hmm. Now I'm 27 years old, but I remember Mike Webster looking at the old film and yep. Damani Dawson, yeah, uh, in the 90s, and then you know Pouncey yep. here for uh, for my time being a fan. I want that next great Steelers center. Well, if you can get uh, Landon Dickerson, uh, yeah, that'd be a good one. Uh, Creed Humphrey and Wyatt Davis, probably early, mid-second rounders, who project as very good players as well. But mm-hmm. if you're looking for that that the guy, uh, it's Landon Dickerson. There. Okay. All right. So uh, I think we uh, – I don't know if we created more problems for the Steelers, if we solved any, but uh, <laughs> that's going to conclude our uh, little uh, breakdown of their roster for right now. All right. So um, when we were talking about the Steelers there, you know, we talked about uh, – you anticipating that Bud Dupree is probably leaving. He said they might have a need at um outside linebacker. So um, I guess that kind of segues into uh, something that I need to um, address myself first, and then I'll get your take on something. So uh, the way I look at it, I like to look at scouting in football as um, not the way that the Pro Bowl and Madden uh, do their criteria, but the way the scouting community and the all-pro team is chosen. Because um, you have two fronts, like two base fronts in the NFL, the 3-4 and the 4-3, and then you play most of your time in the sub-package anyway now. Um, so you have traditionally you have the outside linebackers, inside linebacker, defensive ends, defensive tackles, but uh, a 3-4 defensive end is more of a defensive tackle. And a 3-4 outside linebacker is more of a defensive end. A 4-3 outside linebacker is more of an inside linebacker. So it all gets muddled um, there. Mm-hmm. So I just prefer to, in a, if you can listen to my other episodes, I prefer to use the terms interior D-line, edge, and then linebacker. So it, um, the edge will encompass a 3-4 outside linebacker and a defensive end in a 4-3. Interior D-line is... Uh, D tackles in both schemes and defensive ends in a three four, 
And then linebacker is any off-ball linebacker. So inside linebackers in a 3-4, inside and outside in a 4-3. So uh, with that being said, that's just kind of my thing that I need to get out there. Um, and you've maybe heard in some other episodes, uh, I refer to people as like edge, off-ball linebacker, interior D-line. Uh, you've played uh, multiple positions along the D-line. Like I know growing up, you probably primarily played like um, – end in a 4-3. Uh, I know like our Bantam team, you played end in a 3-4 for a little bit. Uh, like when you went to Quebec, you uh, played a little bit of 3-4 um, outside backer and then kicked inside eventually. Um, in Acadia, you played like more interior uh, stuff like that. So what's your, what was your preferred position? Like, what did you enjoy playing the most? Well, I did, you know, when I, was, I did enjoy uh, playing defensive end. Uh, that is what I started with. I liked like the four three. The, uh, sorry, in the four three defensive yeah. end, the you know that edge rusher. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked standing up, uh, or with you know, or in a three point stance, for that matter. I did like that. I liked uh, just being on the edge. You know, you feel like you got all that space. Mm-hmm. When I, as my, you know, as my coach said, when I ate my way closer to the ball <laughs> and had to start taking that, you know. That three tech or that you know that three tech you know that defensive tackle in a four three lined up over the guard or you know nose tackle who basically just plays and you know either shade of the center mm-hmm. you know that a gap to a gap. Uh, when I moved into there, it everyone was telling me that this you know, this is a good thing, this is a good move. I did not believe them. I I was mortified. I I thought no, there's no space in here. There's no you know there's you know I can't. How am I supposed to get a one on one or how am I supposed to get by? But Slowly learning the scheme, you know, you realize, you know, when you play that interior D lineman spots, you know, like a, you know, like Aaron Donald is, or when, or, or you know, when you get that one on one line yep. up at a three tech, that is fun. Right? That is when you can, you know, once you understand that. But uh, you know, in terms of four three over three four, I mean, there's, I, I do like both of them, and, okay. and it is, but it, it really depends on the players that you have. Mm-hmm. And I know at a KDA. Uh, does traditionally run uh, a four-three defense, um, like a sort of a modified four-three actually, but like the modified is um, less to do with the front, but more to the fact that your uh, Canadian football halfback plays in the box more than your Sam does. But mm-hmm. um, and uh, with that four-man front um, at Acadia, I know um, watching your games and stuff, you seem to have like quite a steady rotation going on like keeping guys fresh, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So um, when you played, would you like to sub out a little bit, like stay fresh, keep your energy up, or would you rather play every damn snap? Well, yeah, <laughs> I did. You know, at the beginning of the game, you want to play every damn snap. Mm-hmm. But you really you want to be 100% for every snap. Yep. Right? You want to have you, – you want to be able to run, you know, every single play. Uh, so that's when you learn, you know, when you, when you're playing high school and you're playing, you know, offense and defense and all the special teams, there are times you, you have to, I don't want to say coast it, but you can't yep. sprint the entire time. Right. So, but when you get to that next level at university, the rotation, you learn, you know, you, you learn to like it. I did hate coming off. I, I will admit that as a player, I did hate, uh, coming off the field, um, but as a coach now, I, I, I love it. I love subbing in, you know, different people for different things. 
I, I do have to get better at it, you know, and have that more confidence because, you know, you got, you know, you, you, you might have, you know, two or three studs out there. And sometimes it, it's hard to take your studs off the field, but when you got fresh legs sitting on the sideline um, who, who are gearing to play and mm-hmm. who are fresh that, you know, they can go in and you might get that, that big play. All right. Excellent. We're just going to lead me to, um, I guess a question that's going to sort of tie into our underrated player of the day, which is coming up. Um, so in terms of interior alignment, um, like through the decades, if you watch like the um, old film, like I know as we have, like you should just see these pancakes in the middle, just these run, mm-hmm. like these run stopper. Um, we use a coach coming to your waterbed on wheels. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, guys, sit, guys sitting in the middle, and uh, like then the pass rush come off the edge, and then um, John Randall is probably the first one. Like I might be wrong, who. Uh, a bit of an undersized interior guy, but all of a sudden you realize that these undersized interior guys are way too quick for guards to handle. And that's why John Randall's in the Hall of Fame. Uh, And the fact he was absolutely nuts on the field. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But uh, in today's game, like I think we see, we see a bit of both. Like we do see like these massive run stoppers that are, uh, still at the paramount of the game uh, for some teams who employ them. Like I'm um, thinking of like the Brandon Williams is mm-hmm. the, the Vita Veyas, yeah. like Danny Shelton when he was in new England. Yeah. These guys that just absolutely clog up the middle and take up the run. Um, not necessarily a great pass rushers. Uh, Vita Veyas is an absolute freak because he actually can pass run. I think he lined up off the edge sometimes and their sub fronts like that guy's just a whole different thing. Um, but then we've also seen these, Smaller, I guess if you want to call them, even though they're way bigger than your average human, uh, interior D linemen who are using leverage and quickness to become really effective pass rushers. And like Aaron Donald would be the epitome of that. But I'm also thinking of guys like, uh, you know, Geno Atkins, Grady Jarrett, yeah. uh, players like that. So I'm thinking if you were designing a team or had the choice or whatever, like uh, I know we're going to say both are important, but um, what's your preference? <laughs> Uh, yes, preference. I would love to, you know, you know, create a player on that. Yeah, you can't, have, you can't have Vita Vey all the time. Vita, yeah, <laughs> right. But you know, in all seriousness, like, so like guy, yeah, a guy like Vita Vey, you know, he's, you know, three hundred and forty pounds, six what, six five. Uh, I can still rush the passer. I can still rush the passer. You know, the thing with and the thing with rushing the passer in the interior with with your nose guy, you don't have to be that Aaron Donald inside right when you're in between the guard and the center uh you you can beat when you're big like a vita and all those guys you can push the pocket right mm-hmm. and sometimes getting pressure right in your face as a quarterback they do not like that right you hear all the time about the you know the edge pressure edge pressure right but what happened when you get that edge pressure you got to step up somewhere right when you've got 340 pounds of meat sitting right there right and the center sitting on your lap right that can that can shake a quarterback. Sometimes that's just, just as good as a pressure, mm-hmm. just as good as a sack. Um, I d- and going back to the thing with, with rotating, everyone has these packages in now. Mm-hmm. I like, in my mind, I like having a big body like that. You need to have a big guy like that on the roster. Yep. Um, and if he's sucking wind on third and long or you know second and long in Canadian football, mm-hmm. then sub him up, wow. right? You yep. get to your sub package, you can add maybe sub him up 
and bring in a linebacker and you, you, you do twists with them or you bring in, you know, that smaller defensive tackle. Maybe you, you know, maybe you uh, bump in a linebacker into mm-hmm. D tackle and bring off another uh, edge defender, right? Uh, and then, you know, if they get a first down, or whatever, rundowns, put big fella back in. Um, but it is nice to be versatile, but you don't have, it is nice to be 340, you don't have to be that big. Yep. Uh, and there's things you can do with moving up front, right? I mean, if you slant your defensive ends, um, right, you can be just as effective, right, if they don't know where you're going to be ending up. Um, so there's ways to get around that. But, I mean, Aaron Donald, it's hard to say that you don't want a guy like Aaron Donald. If you had four yep. Aaron Donalds out there, you would you would be okay. Yep. Right? Yep, that's fair. If you had four Vita Vez out there, you'd be a little less okay. But Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, and uh, just something I tie back into a little bit. Uh, we're a passing lead, but if you can't stop the run, you're fucked. So uh, that's a – Always stop the run. run. Stop the, the run, run first. Yes. All right. And uh, so we were on the subject of run stoppers here. So I'm going to uh, insert our um, underrated player of the day here, and um, I'm going to get your opinion on this. And it's going to be a little difficult for you because he does play on the Ravens, so, you know – little Steelers rivalry there, but underrated player of the day is going to be uh, Brandon Williams, um, the uh, former 3-4 defensive end, now nose tackle for the Baltimore Ravens, and I say former because it's hard to believe that uh, they had someone bigger than him um, <laughs> playing nose tackle for a couple of years, but because uh, I think Brandon Williams weighs in at about 330, 335, but uh, uh, Michael Pierce was there in nose tackle for quite a few years, and this man... Uh, Plays for the Vikings now. He opted out, but uh, if you haven't seen him, very good football player. But he's about uh, six foot even and just under three fifty. So uh, <laughs> he's a he's a true nose for you. But um, as he left for the Vikings, Brandon Williams has taken over the nose uh, rule, and uh, he's routinely one of the best players in the NFL that nobody knows about because he's been in the league for eight years. And because of the position he plays, like he, when I say he was a 3 4 defensive head, he was not a JJ Watt 3 4 defensive head. I mean, this man is 330, 340. And um, he's six and a half career sacks. He's saying, what the fuck, Ralph? Why is it? Because this guy is a monster against the run. I'm talking eating doubles all day. And you can't run up the gut on him. You can't. You cannot run up the gut on this guy. So, um, uh, although the sack numbers aren't there, um, I wanted to do this with Adam on the show because, like, he could speak to the value of having a defender on your D line that just eats up the run. And uh, yeah, yeah, you, yeah, and you know, I'll, just real quick on that, it, it is so frustrating, you know, you try and look up highlights for a nose tackle or a player, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, you mentioned those six sacks. The whole highlight's just going to be that player's six sacks, and if he jumped on a fumble, right? They never show. The, the the double teams or mm-hmm. uh, you know the eat yeah eating up the blockers which is just so important for your linebackers if you can take two right that means when your linebackers is free to roam uh, right if you you know have you know like you said those two huge guys occupying blocks right your linebackers can just scrape over the top they don't have those old linemen right in their face uh, right away it is vital I remember uh, my my middle linebacker Drew Morris. He bought me a couple McDoubles uh, every now and then if I would, you know, <laughs> eat the double teams for him. And if yeah. he had a good game, he would then 
Let you uh, eat the doubles. He would let me eat the McDoubles. So <laughs> it was a good trade off in my book. Oh, that's awesome. But yeah, so um, Brandon Williams, uh, one of the best players you've never heard of, likely. So uh, if you uh, ever watch the Ravens, he's number 98, and it, it's really hard to miss him. <laughs> yeah, he's a guy who, uh, if he sneezes, his jersey's going to rip right into <laughs> Exactly. Uh, so yeah, that's our underrated player of the day for today. All right, so uh, we're just going to keep the segments rolling for a little bit here. I know we've been a, a bit long-winded, but you know what? This is for fun, not to be famous. So if it's too long for you, um, you know, fuck you. <laughs> not really. <laughs> uh, but um, to continue, uh, we're going to move right on to uh, our bust of the day. And um, I'm going to come back at the Steelers again. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, Jarvis Jones um, as a uh, bust. So Jarvis Jones was a... Uh, Highly touted pass rusher out of uh, University of Georgia, who uh, was drafted. We said it was seventeenth. I, I I had to look it up, Rob, because <laughs> I deleted it from my head. Up, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, he was drafted a seventeenth overall by the Pittsburgh Steelers in the twenty fourteen uh, draft, and uh, I think he retired after four years. Um, played fifty career games. I and had uh, six sacks or six career sacks. Yeah. So uh, not the production you're looking for from your uh, number 17 uh, overall pick as a pass rusher. No, and that, that is a like, I just remember, we, you know, it, like, but Dupree scared me too. But I remember waiting year after year. I was like, okay, like, okay, I think he's supposed to develop now. You know, I, I was spoiled with James Harrison and Lamar Woodley. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would just always thought, I was like, well, we need to have two good rush ends and he unfortunately he just never panned out so now four years went by and it's like okay this is not happening yep very just and i'll say you know bud dupree had me scared too for a couple of years for yeah, a couple he, years he, he, had, me, the he had me scared <laughs> i was like oh here we go again but then thank god he caught fire yep and uh then you uh Drafted one guy in the first round, a little later than the two of those guys, um, by the name of T.J. Watts, and uh, that worked out pretty well. Yeah, he doesn't suck. Yeah, he definitely doesn't suck. So, uh, yeah, but uh, Jarvis Jones, uh, your bust of the day. All right, so we're going to move on to uh, our prospect of the day, and I'm excited to get Adam's opinion on this here um, as a D-line coach here because this is a polarizing prospect for a lot of people. So, um Quiddy Pay is going to be our prospect of the day, the uh, edge player out of uh, the University of Michigan. And uh, what's so polarizing about Pay is he um, he's a physical freak. He's 6'4", about uh, just over 270, like ide- almost ideal size for an edge player. Um, he's physical, like uh, the reports are he's going to run in the four fives at that weight. And um, like He's athletic as all hell. He'll probably have the highest D-line jump from what I'm hearing, too. So just a physical freak. And he had 12 and a half sacks um, in the Big Ten as a junior. So you're saying, Rob, what's the rub here? Like, why isn't this guy a top five pick? Because he only had four sacks as a senior last year. And, um, yeah, so that's uh, scaring some people off here. Is that why did the production drop off so much? Um like, did he, is he broken? Like, what's what's going on here? So, uh, you know, I've done a little homework on this myself, and I listened to my trusted source, Daniel Jeremiah, and he said, he, uh, Michigan's scheme, he actually went on a little rant about it, like, wasn't favorable at all to pay. Like, he, um, 
they never had them lined up in the same spot, which I mean, for some guys it works because like he, blockers don't get a read on you, but apparently for him it didn't. They moved him all around the D line, like play to play, like had him playing inside um, on rundowns and everything, like a lot, far far too much. And um, like the amount of one on ones or coming off the edge, like prime pass rush situations the guy was put in was like way less than a player of his caliber should ever be put in. So, um, like, uh, Daniel Jeremiah certainly credits that to his lack of production. And um, I'm going to turn it over to Adam here and say, if you're looking at this guy as a prospect, um, do you kind of just dismiss the senior year and go off the fact he's a freak and he has had 12 and a half sacks in a season, or does the the senior year kind of scare you a little bit? The the senior year, let me just – at face value, senior year does not scare me. If you look at his film, if he looks slower, if he looks weaker, then that would scare me. If he didn't, you know, if he didn't get any slower, if he's still as big and as strong as he as he was his junior year, uh, then I think you do look. You know, okay, then you start asking, okay, why, right? What's you know, and, and you got to look at mine too. It's that was a different year for everybody. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, in the COVID stricken you know the season as it is. I do, you can't harp on that too much. And it does matter, you know, with different philosophies, different schemes, right? If they were trying to move them around, right? Which, you know, it doesn't seem like a bad idea. You want to take advantage of, you know, you you want to put your best guy on their worst guy, right? In theory, it works. But, you know, sometimes you just got to say, okay, let's just put the 275-pounder, let's put his hand in the dirt and tell him to go straight. And try right? to get home. And get home. <laughs> Right, so if he is, you know, if he was missing out on those prime pass rush opportunities by maybe being inside or maybe being assigned to, you know, to essentially eat gaps and have someone else rush, then that would hurt the numbers. Right, it, it is hard to get sacks. Um, I, I mean, watching his highlights, I, yeah, I don't just, I would be thrilled if the Steelers had. I, you know what? I wish he had uh, a half sack. This year, so, so more so people get scared, so the Steelers can come in and get <laughs> Yeah. All right. So Quiddy Pay, our prospect of the day, I had him uh, projected um, going pick seven. Yeah, pick seventeen to the Las Vegas Raiders in uh, my mock. So uh, Quiddy Pay, prospect of the day. All right. So um, with that segue here, we're going to just talk briefly about the the defensive line or. As well as the edge, like a uh, draft class here, and just kind of preview a little bit. So um, I've got a little more in depth into these prospects. So I'm just going to pick out of his brain a little bit just to see if um, what I'm thinking from analyzing translates what what he thinks as a coach and like former player the position. So first off, uh, we're going to be looking at Bucky Brooks's top five like edge guys here. Um, just at the top here, we have the two Miami guys, uh, Russo and Phillips, who. I projected in my mock Russo to the Giants at 11 and Phillips to the Vikings at 14. So I'm just going to ask Adam a little comparison here. Uh, Russo is a better athlete. Um, He's faster, stronger. Um, He did have one super productive season, and he opted out of the most recent season. Um, Phillips, who actually wore his number after he left, (laughs) opted up for the season at Miami. Um, not the athlete Russo is, but just a phenomenal technician and, um, really, really, really good hands technique 
So more of a polished craftsman, I call it, than a raw, like a mm. true athlete. So I guess um, sort of evaluate those two guys next to each other. Like what, what do you um, look for, I guess? I mean, it is – it is. It's always intriguing when you got you know if, if someone is classified as a you know special athlete, right? You yep. it is hard to you know pass up on those, right? And and if you know if if, if the difference is that big between you know Russo and Phillips, with a special athlete, you want to take that special athlete guy. Uh, now with I can't remember the do the Giants play a four three Rob or and the Giants are a three four. They're a three four, right? Yep. So with that more athletic guy. I mean, yeah, you can you can rush them sixty percent or sixty or seventy percent of the time, but you can also drop them into into coverage. Um, with Jalen Phillips, from what I understand, he might be more of a hand in the dirt kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, which you know, I like to. I mean, yeah, dropping guys into coverage is great, but I do you know, if you're a big dude, almost two hundred seventy pounds, you want to be going forward with that mm-hmm. four or five speed. But with Rousseau having that option to you know maybe. You know, guard the flat or, or drop with the drop of the back. You know, if if you can be more versatile, the more yeah. the more you can do, right? That is always intriguing. Okay, good. Because I think like the pro comps, like I got going here, just in terms of how people can kind of visualize this in the NFL. I think the one you see on uh, the two you see on Rousseau, I guess, are um, Jason Pierre-Paul and mm-hmm. um, Montez Sweat. So, like freaky athletes who are long. And like, just have a knack for that. Lots of sweats actually turned quite a career of uh, batting balls down now yeah. too. Like he gets up, his hands up at the point of attack. Yeah. And uh, Jalen Phillips, I think I classify more as. Um, oh goodness! Like, uh, just like a let. So he's, he's he's still a very good athlete. Like, don't get me wrong. This mm-hmm. guy, like, he's six five, two sixty five. Like he is he is still a very good athlete, but he's just. He doesn't have the pop Rousseau does. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the twitch, but he's just such a skilled technician. Yeah. And I like that comparison of, uh, of Pierre Paul there. I mean, remember when Pierre Paul did all those yeah, backflips? Yeah, well, right? like, that brought off like 60 backflips in a row at like hurt, 275 pounds. That did not hurt his draft stock, right? That's yeah. the, a couple of people moved them up the board there, right? Because that yeah. matters seeing that athleticism. Even, you know, when I'm watching highlight tapes of, you know, high school recruitment stuff, mm-hmm. if you can dunk a basketball, throw that at the end of the highlight tape, right? Yep. Different things like that, just so we can see, oh, okay, yeah, he's athletic. Yeah. That matters. Awesome. So we're just going to scroll down a little bit to, like, the interior guys now. Um, so Matthew Brooks has his top defensive tackle as Levi and Uzuriki, who uh, I had projected to the Jaguars with their second first-round pick at 25. And then he has number two as Christian Barmore out of Alabama, who I had uh, projected to the Cardinals at pick 16. So um, sort of what we talked about earlier, Muzariki is like a little smaller um, for the defensive tackles, but creates quite a bit of push and has like some pass rush ability despite being able to stop the run as well. Barmore, the bigger dude, um, he does get home. Like he does get sacks at Alabama. Um, along their front, but he uh, he's definitely uh, like a bigger guy. So like I would say like he's definitely a run stopper first in my opinion. Um, and I really enjoyed watching him. Like and they had like a good rotation along the interior of Alabama. Like you know I mean, you're not gonna play every snap at Alabama because it's Alabama. 
But like, I feel like he really made the most of his opportunities this year. Um, and he does have some pass rush ability as well. He's three. He's three fifteen. Yeah, I he's, think he's, he's not. He, he's not like a three forty guy. He got home but, a couple times in the in the playoffs, I believe. Yep, he did. Um, um, but like Amuzariki, I think is. I have to just bring him up real quick, but I think he his size is he's, he's definitely smaller than uh, Aaron Moore. He is listed at yeah two ninety three inside, so he's okay. more of an Aaron Donald size yeah. there, just yeah. a little taller. So in um, comparing the two, like um, Rosariki projects to be almost I don't want to say a pure pass rush D tackle, but like if you were listing his archetype, like <laughs> like do yeah. like that, I consider him to like be a like a speed rusher almost or yeah. a power rusher. Yeah. Whereas uh, yeah, Barmore's a little more balanced. So. I and I'd love. I mean, people people love the forty. People hate on the forty. I do want to see. I do want to see them run. See what the numbers are. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but you know, it, it will come down to the tape. But it. You know, when you get that 10-second split, right, that matters, that quick little burst, yep. right? It, it, and it's, like we said, you know, touched on earlier, it's so valuable getting that interior mm-hmm. uh, pressure, right? And, you know, even if you can jump up a gap, you know, and cut off inside zone early, uh, you know, and play on the other side of the backfield, right, that explosiveness, getting the other side of the line of scrimmage is huge. I, You know, I tend to like the the little, you know. I say it's weird saying smaller, and the and guy weighs two hundred ninety pounds, yep. right? Um, but two hundred ninety that is a good weight, right? That is a versatile weight. Uh, but three fifty, I mean, hey, you know, he big might man can move big man, <laughs> and the, those Bama boys they can move. Yeah, uh, I like Deron Payne, John Van Allen, those uh, two just dominant guys. There, there were a couple of Alabama D tackles that. I remember being a little disappointing. Yeah, I don't. No. Yeah, they're not all home runs. But, yeah, uh, I guess when you have when you when so you so many players when you that, put position when you put guys in the first round out of like every position on a rotation yeah. every couple of years, you're gonna have a few busts. Like yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, like I think they're close in my books. I, I lean towards Barmore, but I'm also biased in two ways. One, because he went to Alabama, so that's my guy. And two, because Amuzariki was an opt-in. So, um, like, I watched Barmore all year and, like, into January for the national championship, and Amuzariki hasn't played football in over a year. So, like, I don't put that a knock on him. Like, COVID is what COVID mm-hmm. is. Like, it's a – I don't hold opt-ins to the guy. Just recency bias. Like, it's like, okay, I saw Barmore doing his thing in the national championship. Amuzariki hasn't played since 2019. So, that's kind of where I'm at with that. But uh, thanks for previewing the class here. We're going to – Move on just to a few more things before um, our viewers fall asleep here. Um, I'm going to steal the, the mic just for a second here and um, give my steal of the day just because we've been talking so much Steelers shit today. I got I to gotta get a little left <laughs> to my Colts here. So um, our steal of the day here is uh, Kyrie Willis. Um, he is the uh, what I'd call the in-the-box safety for the Colts. Like, Strong safety, free safety, um, I think are a little bit more interchangeable right now. But um, he's definitely a downhill safety. Um, and the Colts play too high a lot, so I don't really want to say in the box too much. But um, he only has two career interceptions, but he was um, he's a phenomenal tackler. And in a game where you see guys just continually getting pushed out of bounds and just awful missed tackles all over, like I just think – 
tackling is like an, uh, an actual skill again. Like it used to be just assumed that you play defense, you could tackle. But like, I think uh, for the, like starting, I, I missed a couple of games. And you're like, well, I started 12, 13 games this year or something like that. And I get one missed tackle playing almost every snap in those games. So that's, that's the value for me. Um, and they got him in the fourth round of the 2019 draft. So if you got a guy who you know is a sure tackler um, in the fourth round, that's also a starter. Um, I think that's great value. So um, you want to touch on that just for tackling? No, well, no, I, you know, I guess one thing <laughs> I'll say on that is, you know, there's nothing more frustrating that, you know, you work hard and try to put guys in the right spot. Um, but there's no point in game plan and no point in, in doing everything right if you're going to miss a tackle, right? Mm-hmm. you got to be short tacklers. And, yeah, I mean, it's just like the same thing with receivers. Like, oh, well, I thought everyone should – I thought everyone has good hands at this level. Some guys can't catch. Some guys can't tackle, <laughs> right? So when you get a guy that is a short tackler, that is certainly very, very valuable. Excellent. So that's going to be our steal of the day with Curry uh, Willis here. All right. So um, – it's a quite a long episode, and uh, I think we touched on most of the things we want to touch on. Um, but we're just gonna, well, we have Adam here, get a couple more out of the way that we might have missed our uh, opportunity to talk about. So we're just gonna wrap those up right now. So uh, we did talk about the Steelers and how we project them, um, but we also had a question from uh, your youngest brother, Caleb, here, mm-hmm. who wants to know uh, how much do you think the Steelers will regress in 2021? That's it. He didn't give a progress option. Nope. Nope. He, he uh, Caleb, yeah. <laughs> I, I noticed how he didn't yeah, mention who his favorite team was. Caleb is a Bengals fan. Yep. Still the only Bengals fan I've ever met <laughs> north of the border. Um, Joey Burrow. The Bengals will not regress. Or the Bengals, sorry. <laughs> yeah. The Steelers will not regress, right? They will be back. Um, Kill. that's just a mean, hurtful question, okay? <laughs> you're, you're just trying to get to me. You're trying to get to your, to, your you know, own brother. You're upset about Burrow, okay? <laughs> you're upset about Burrow. All right. And uh, I think the other thing we sort of missed out on when we were um, introducing you at the beginning here, um, we talked about, like, the opportunities of people you met. I never even thought to ask. Um, we brought it up later. Uh, when you played on uh, was Team Canada or Team World, you played against – some boys, yeah, it was, some boys who uh, are or were in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, we, you know, and at the time, you know, it was when we played Team Canada playing Team USA uh, in, in Austin. There, we, I think it was in 2012. Um, you know, and at the time, they were just, hey, these are just other high school, other high school kids, right? Uh, you know, and everyone on that team had a D1 scholarship, mm-hmm. um, which was pretty intimidating. And then you come to learn years later, there was, I think on that team, they had Jameis Winston, they had Todd Gurley, uh, Ty Montgomery, uh, uh, Devin Bunches, Bunches, Malcolm, Malcolm Brown. Malcolm Brown. And I think there was someone else, someone else too. Which, you know, it was pretty cool to learn like after the fact. Um, I do remember getting guys who were like, I got drafted in the NFL. I remember them still playing. Yeah, like. and I, I remember that, that you know when I did get in the game, someone stiff armed me. Maybe it was Todd Gurley. Like, I will. <laughs> uh, well, let's we'll, just say, we'll say it was Todd. Let's just say it is. Although if it was Gurley, probably would have hurt a little bit. But anyway, um, so now we got that wrapped up. Anything you want to add, Adam? That uh, while you're on here, or uh, 
no, no, I, no, I, you know, I, yeah, appreciate you having me on. It was a lot of fun, and you know, well, thanks for being hope on. to do it again. Oh, we definitely will. We'll definitely be doing this again. So, uh, all right, viewers, uh, thanks for tuning in again. I hope you took the time to listen to the whole thing. Um, if you didn't, we certainly understand. We were a bit long winded, but you know what I said. This uh, no one's paying us to do this. This isn't. We're not getting graded on this. This is uh, purely for our enjoyment and hopefully yours. So uh, hope you enjoyed it, and we'll see you next time.